I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. It's football and other F words, and it's off season, but we're not giving up because we have plenty to talk about. I feel like every time Zach and I get into off season, we come into this premise of that we're going to have to find topics to talk about. We're already cutting stuff out that we don't even need to get to, or it's probably relevant later. Welcome in. It's Zach Lyons and myself, Michael Gillum. Zach, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun episode. I wish I would have like, uh, did a few tequila shots before I got on. Cause I'm really going to tear in through two terrible Titans, Twitter takes at the very end of this show, but I'm really just going to hammer home some, I think, uh, idiotic takes that I see out there. A lot of people are going to catch some, uh, oh, there's going to be a lot of catch strays, some, catch some strays, probably not as many strays as Eli Apple got. <laughs> We're going to get to Eli Apple because holy shit. How do you piss off like four cities all at once? It's um, him and quitting Spain. Oh my gosh. Jesus, just shut up and play at that point. You are being idiots. Um, Super Bowl. It's over. We are officially in off season. Um, you know, it, it drove me nuts seeing how much the NFL hypes up the Super Bowl leading into it. I, I know that's their prerogative. It's their 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 baby, their property, literally everything else that is called the Super Bowl of X is because the Super Bowl has grown to what it is. So I don't hate them for that, but it really felt like they were trying to put a lot of fluff into a game that may not be that good. It ended up being a good game, but it wasn't spectacular. It was, was just, right. it was just an average football game. Didn't do enough to lose you, but it didn't do enough to make me be like, oh my God, we got to rewind that and watch it again. Yeah, it felt it felt to me that it was a very average Super Bowl. Like I was watching a week eight primetime Sunday night game or Monday night game. Maybe you know what is really a Sunday afternoon game, like middle of the middle of the regular season. It did not like the production. It looked like a Super Bowl, but it but it didn't feel like one. And I don't think the game really felt like one either. No, it, you're right. Let me start with LA. I said this while watching the game with my brother and uh, my sister-in-law, and this is going to piss a lot of people off, but I feel like the NFL should have the Super Bowl at LA every year. That stadium is, is wild, good looking, uh, really nice and colorful. I really like the setup they had outside the stadium as well as inside um, the way halftime was done, which we're going to get to in just a moment, but, I really like that venue. I feel, and I know the NFL likes it. They're probably going to use it quite a bit, but it didn't feel stale and corporate like a lot of these locations do. Like when they do the Super Bowl in like Houston or Tampa, like I could care less. But it, this looked good. It translated well on TV. That's an impressive facility um, that Stan Kroenke has built with like five billion dollars. It sounds like I'm, <laughs> he's funding weapons for the Pentagon at that price. Basically, the Tony Stark of the NFL just, just right. shelling out money. Let's talk about it. I, I do want to talk about the production of the Super Bowl itself a little bit because there are some things that made me laugh and there are some things that uh, I found interesting. Let's start with halftime. What did you think of halftime? I, I think I must have built it up too much in my head before it actually happened. And I was thoroughly unimpressed. Um, I mean, it was great as far as I think the singers were good. 
I think the it, the acts themselves were good, but where's the production value? Where is the hype around it? I mean, they're they're dancing on trailer uh, trailers with cars that weren't even being driven on the outside, and they just have different rooms. It's like a really long escape room on a train. Like it didn't really make a lot of sense to me. And then Eminem apparently cut his part short so they could put in 50 cent but why is 50 cent in there like i don't understand why he's even a part of it they didn't even advertise for him and it's not even that great of a surprise and he was the fattest bat you've ever seen hanging upside down someone said he looked like mike tolbert and that will always stick with me because that's such a random running back to compare someone to someone said he went from 50 cent to full dollar (laughs) someone said inflation hit him hard i mean (laughs) that poor guy him and eli apple quit in spain just really got shredded because of the super bowl but i I felt like it was a letdown i mean i don't understand these last few super bowl halftime shows since the katie perry one i'm gonna keep going back to the katie perry one and the bruno mars one was all right the i want epic scenes she came out on animatronic giant tigers why isn't people trying to one-up that instead of not even caring like there's no tupac hologram you can even guess the tupac hologram there dre i mean give me a break like the music was great i enjoyed listening to it i didn't really tune out of anything because i was interested in hearing the songs that they were playing but give me some pomp and circumstance give me something epic if you're gonna do a halftime show with those great artists i agree the set the 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 staging setup was poor it felt underbaked i i really wanted more of a representation of what la represents of what la represents with the rap game i i understand what they were trying to do with the floor obviously you know the, the whole floor that was that was covering you know that part of the field was supposed to be an overhead satellite shot of the city but yeah the white boxes that were supposed to be like different houses or different clubs or whatever it didn't translate didn't translate very well i also don't really care for the halftime show i I never really have only because i like to see the spectacle of it like you said the Katy perry stuff was because Katy perry gave us the hilarious left shark meme (laughs) but you're but you're right the over crazy over the top production of the Katy perry show was awesome but I've never really cared for the halftime show because it's always like 20 to 30 seconds of a song you like, and they're quickly just flipping between songs. And I, I've never really enjoyed that. I, I know that's well, this obviously load. Well, yeah, as far as that's concerned, but yeah. you're, you're right. You don't get really more than 30 seconds to a song instead of showing us the thoughts uh, by, of the commentary by uh tony dungy and drew Brees, which nobody really cares about at the halftime only people care about is commercials and the halftime show itself give that to the artists like get get these old men off my screen i'm just sick of all these old men they're everywhere speaking of old men i i was making a joke to my brother and i love making this joke every year that as much as the Super Bowl is hyped up, I feel like the trophy presentation for the Super Bowl is pretty subpar. When yeah. you compare it to other pro sports like the World Series, Stanley Cup, the Stanley Cup's the best one. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. You're skating around with that giant, massive superstructure <laughs> of a of a trophy it's turned into. But the kind of the real corporate feel of the way the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi is presented. I've never really liked it because they play that cheesy music and someone with white gloves walks it out while everybody's lined up to touch the trophy and blah, blah, blah. 
They hand it to the owner first. They give the MVP a car. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. They didn't do any of that this year. NBC was so ready to dump a hundred million viewers on their, I'm sure, failing Olympic hopes this year because the Olympics are not very interesting. Wanted everybody to go watch Bel Air on the Peacock Channel. I mean, apparently so, because it was so. I heard that cheesy music start up in the background while Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were giving some kind of half assed goodbye to. Michelle Tafoya. And then the way Collinsworth was talking to Al Michaels, is this his last year broadcasting? He almost made it sound God, like we can he only be hope. Back. I mean, we could just only hope that both those guys just give it up. Like, I'm yeah, so because, sick of them. <laughs> let me back up a second. The last play, I actually went back and watched it just about an hour ago. Aaron Donald gets the sack to end the game. And it's almost like Al Michaels forgot what down it was because it was a really lackluster call for the end of the game. It was like, oh, and Donald gets to him and there they are running around <laughs> celebrating. I was just like, dude, do you know it's, that's it? That's the end of the game. But NBC could not wait to get this trophy in the hands of Kroenke, get these two interviews out of the way. They didn't even interview Stafford on the, on the podium. They just dumped it to the Olympics so we could watch Mono Bob. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. What is Mono Bob? Is that just one, one person, one doing person the bob bobsled? No. Oh, Mono Bob. Mono Bob. Yeah, I, I I think that it was just kind of a – I think NBC did a very lackluster job, and I thought – I know we're not going to really talk about the commercials, but the Super Bowl should never open up with a 30 to 45 second, and it may have been even longer than that, commercial, where what they're talking about in the commercial does not end up being what the actual commercial is about, and it shouldn't be depressing. I don't give a shit about two about a brother tandem skiing duo where one of them is fucking legally blind because of macular degeneration and it ends up being a Toyota commercial. That's how you're going to start. That's the first commercial you're going to put on after the coin toss for the Super Bowl when you're trying to get people hype. Is that like, give me a fucking break. I don't care about those two guys. Give me funny beer commercial. The commercials in the Super Bowl haven't been good for the last two or three years. You maybe get one gym of a commercial. And that year, this year, it belongs to General Motors Dr. Evil commercial. It's so great. But give me a break. I do not give a flying fuck about human interest commercial stories for car dealerships. Give me a give me a fucking break, Toyota. I don't care about your macular degeneration skiers. So Toyota, like, I agree. I I don't like it. They must have data showing that people love these commercials and it moves cars, right? Because every major car dealer has gone that route now. GM had one. Oh, yeah. They had one last year, I think. They had one last year. They had one over Christmas where some chick steals her dad's car and gets it renewed. I'm like. Did she really dump $80,000 into a remodel when she looks like she had to move back home? Like, what are we doing here? Come on. But I, I agree. I'd rather have more humor. The commercials themselves have not been good for the last couple of years. I think the internet has killed the traditional Super Bowl commercial. Because now you get they, the trailers before yes, they even go on. They leak the commercials. I mean, they just pretty much put the commercials out before they even air on the Super Bowl. You hear about all the ads before they even come out. So it's definitely cut them off at the knees. But I, I did get a big laugh out of NBC that was basically just like, here's the trophy. 
GTFO, we need to dump as many people we, as we can to the Olympics because these things suck. Yeah, I, it's it's terrible, terrible choice by NBC. The decisions all night long, except for having The Rock uh, come out and introduce both. I don't know if that was NFL or NBC, but it was fantastic. Can we talk about the game itself? And obviously some of this is going to translate into being a Titans fan because number one, the play calling, there were instances of very good play calling, but a lot of instances of both sides uh, with the Rams and with the Bengals of just some questionable calls. I actually had a list over here uh, that I was going to reference, but um, one of them was, the Bengals, it just kind of strange play calling around running the ball, it, going back and forth between. Um, oh, forgive me. I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of his name. And Jim That's what I was trying to say. Samaji P. Ryan. I just didn't understand that. I mean, am I off base on that? No. I, you, with the game in the, on the line, you're going to try to target Samaji P. Ryan for third and one. Well, I mean, like, what, what, what the hell is that? It's, it's. It's a debacle. It was an offensive play calling brain fart, just epic, just sloppy messes the whole way through. I have no clue why Sean McVay continued to just ram this running attack down the Bengals' throat for whatever reason when it wasn't working. They averaged 1.9 yards per carry per team. They could have blown the doors off the Bengals if they if McVay would quit trying to outsmart himself in the Super Bowl. He did it in 2017 versus the Patriots, and he's doing it again here. He's lucky he won. They're lucky this defense existed because th- that w- if it wasn't for Aaron Donald, who, by the way, they vote for MVP two minutes before the game is over, which is utterly ridiculous in today's day and age. You can wait till the whole game is done. Right. And- yeah, you and and send in your votes via text or whatever. And if you don't get your vote in on time, then go fuck yourself, you old piece of shit writer. If you can't get your vote in on time, but you're gonna give me you know, old men again, white old men, just annoying the shit out of me. Uh, but Aaron Donald should be in the MVP. I mean, Cooper Cup was great, but they won the game because of Leslie Frazier. No. Raheem Morris finally got his head out of his ass in the second half and started blitzing and and started attacking and being aggressive. The first half was an atrocity from uh, so many play calling mishaps. And then the second half is the same thing. I just don't understand why these team, this Rams team is so basically determined to have a run game in the most important game of the year when it's not working and everybody knows it's not working and passing was working regardless if his Odell was out there or not passing was working for the majority of the game. It really did bother me seeing Sean McVay continually to like run the ball on first down. Okay. Well now you got to make Matt Stafford throw out of a hole for the next two downs. It sounded eerily familiar, didn't it? <laughs> but yeah. I, it, I, that was really frustrating to watch. The that that's ultimately what led me to the opinion of that the game itself was somewhat subpar because you hope or expect that your coaching is going to leave like nothing to chance, or, or I shouldn't say nothing to chance. You're not going to leave anything on the shelf. All the surprises, all the tricks, everything comes out there, and it was some pretty lackluster play calling and, and some some baffling play calling. 
Yeah, it just it didn't feel like, and that's it leads into the whole feel of the game. It just didn't feel like they knew that they were playing in the Super Bowl, and this was for everything. Like you're right, they don't. You didn't really see a lot of leave it all on the field kind of play from these offenses, and it just was a real. I just, I, it's just a real weird, boring game. I thought in the very end, like it's a very going to be a very forgettable Super Bowl, and it sucks because. Someone like Joe Burrow, there's a good chance this may be the only time he ever gets to the Super Bowl. And people are going to say that's wild, but when you look at it, in the last 45 years, 27 quarterbacks have lost at least one Super Bowl, and only four of those people have come back to win one later in their career. Like, that is insane. It's basically saying if you go to the Super Bowl and you lose, it's going to be a while if you're that quarterback of that team before you're back into the Super Bowl again. And it may never happen. And while Joe Burrow and this team is young, Dan Marino was young when he made it to the Super Bowl in his second year, and he never made it back. Like, you got to kind of think about that when you're going through this. Because in my mind, as a Titans fan, I hear this stat, and I'm thinking, okay, well, Mahomes has lost. Now Burrow has lost. Well, Got Josh Allen, you got Ryan Tannehill. They're the next two, you know, quarterbacks that can make it to the Super Bowl in the AFC currently. And it's just wild that Dan Marino was 23 years old, never went back. Joe May- Namath was 25, never went back. And we all know that Aaron Rodgers hasn't made it back. Like, that's not a good sign statistically for Joe Burrow to try to make it back. Maybe he is the next Tom Brady because the people in the media – we're hyping up this Bengals teams and one guy, and I think it was Ryan Clark went on TV and said, the Bengals win this one and they win one more. They're just as good as the Patriots dynasty. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, come on, let's reel it back in. Someone should have t- walked over. Like if I was a host and it's probably why I'll never be on ESPN, but if I was a host, one of his co-hosts, I would have walked over and just unplugged his mic and said, you're not talking for the rest of the show. Because that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I, quit overhyping stuff because you don't have anything interesting to say. If you don't have anything to say, just don't talk. Um, so, okay, I am very, very tired of NFL media outlets. And I know it's a quick, like, clickbait, easy thing to tweet out, which in this day and age gets you <laughs> quite a ways, apparently, which we're going to discuss here locally later. But um i'm very very tired of media outlets on tv and on twitter and on social media in general tweet out a picture of x quarterback and don't worry about it they're young they're going to be back in the super bowl you can't say that you you just really can't say a and i can't believe i'm going to have to sit here and defend tom brady's legacy i think it tarnishes people like tom brady when you say things like that because what we have witnessed tom brady do is something that I, I, I feel like I can securely say, I don't think I'm going to ever see a quarterback do that again in my lifetime. Because, th- yes, there is some luck involved with getting to the Super Bowl and winning as many Super Bowls as he has. But those Patriots teams, that Patriots dynasty is going to probably almost impossible to top. And to show the NBC did it during the Super Bowl, and it really drove me nuts. NBC and the NFL as media as a whole in the playoffs were doing it with Patrick Mahomes. The close-up shot, they're disappointed on the bench, and then, you know, 
jackass announcer says, well, I mean, this is a young man who's going to be back in this position. He has nothing to feel sorry about. You know what? Bullshit. I mean, I'm sorry. Just let them have the moment. You can make other cards. Maybe A, just don't talk. But B, you can say other things like, that's disappointing. Or if you're a former player, hey, I've, I've been there myself. I know what that feels like. It's a tough road to get back to. You don't automatically have to jump to the whole, oh, they're young. They're going to be back. Bro, Zach just laid it out. It doesn't exactly, uh, you know, pan out like that. As a matter of fact, statistically, it's pretty damn rare that they even make it back after one appearance. Yeah, it, it the society as a whole is is so prisoner of the moment, recency bias. Yeah, that's all they care about. It's like this Matt Stafford throw that this no look pass. It's a great throw. It's not an insane throw. It's not feel an elite throw or anything like that. It's a really great throw. You know who also did throws like that all the time? And in fact, he did it against the Matt Stafford Lions. Mariota. <laughs> like <laughs> players do that all the time. They do no look passes all the time. Sure, it looks really great because of the camera angles and all that kind of stuff. And it was a really, really good play. Matt Stafford's not the first, he's not the last to do a play like that. Patrick Mahomes had throws like that last last year in the Super Bowl that everybody's just like, oh, whatever. Like, it's such every every new every time someone recently does a throw like that, it's the greatest throw ever. It's an elite throw. Or man, I don't think I've ever seen a throw like as good as that. Yeah, you have. You saw it last week, probably, and then you said the same thing last week. Well, that was the greatest throw I've ever seen. Like. I'm so sick of recency bias and just everything has to be the greatest or everything has yes. to be elite because it waters down the word with the words themselves and they hold no meaning. It's no meaning to me if someone says someone's elite anymore, because more than likely that person who's saying that is incorrect and wrong. And it's just, I'm sick of it. And people will use that throw to, you know, bash Ryan Tanhill, which we'll get to in a tweet later. And it's really to me, when you look at what how Stafford played 90% of the game, it wasn't that spectacular. And 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 Joe Burrow all postseason was being carried by Lady Luck to the playoffs. And he has looked atrocious in now two playoff games. So I don't I don't know. I mean, like, sure. Can Joe Burrow get back to the Super Bowl? Yeah, it's a, like a 1%, 2% possibility, but I wouldn't be automatically writing in that this Bengals team is going to be some threat based on the postseason play we've seen. I just, I'm like, I, I completely agree with you. That the reason, I just, it really drives me nuts with media doing that these days. And I know that's a trend and it's probably not going to stop, but I mean, Chris Collinsworth is one of the absolute worst. It can only get Every worse. It, it's only going to get worse. Collinsworth is so bad about, oh, you're never going to see another play like that again. When, you probably saw it in the game before, or this is the greatest game we've ever watched. I, mean, I don't know. We've seen a lot of, you know, pretty damn good football games. I, I am very, very tired of that. I, I tell you one specific example I'll give, not to get off on too much of a tangent. If I hear the phrase just built different one more time, I'm going to start slapping people. I, I am so tired of X athlete is just built different. No, they're not. Yeah, they're built different from the rest of the population, but they're not exactly built different from the rest of the people they're playing against. Unless you're talking about a very few, few specific people like Derrick Henry, Aaron Donald, 
you know, Aaron Donald, I mean, what in the world? Why do defensive linemen have abs now? That's not okay. But I'm so very tired of wide receiver makes a catch. This guy's just built different. No, he's built like a wide receiver. That's why he's playing wide receiver. Stop saying things like that. Hey, I'm going to ask you a question because you normally ask me questions. So I'm just going to flip it on its head. <laughs> After watching the game, how do you feel about the Titans' chances with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback making it to a Super Bowl? I'm I'm so tired of listening to people on Twitter that were like, you know, the Titans should have been in the Super Bowl, but at a huge but watching that game, watching the rest of the playoffs, the Tennessee Titans absolutely could have won a Super Bowl this year, and they can win a Super Bowl with Tannehill. I, I'm I'm convinced they can. And it's not just the piece that we've talked about for the last two or three episodes of the only thing you can do is just put better weapons around Tannehill or, or shore up the weapons you got around Tannehill and prove the coaching. I actually think you can do it with Tannehill and it's based off the quarterback play, at least for me that we watched just in the Super Bowl. that you didn't really see over the top quarterback performances out of either one of these guys. No, I mean, let, let's talk about it. Stafford threw two interceptions right at the beginning of the second half that should have, if they were playing any other team, probably would have capitalized on it better than the Bengals did because the Bengals were horrible. They really just caught lightning in a bottle. I mean, I go back to the stat that uh, t- they're the only the second team out of um, 100. I'm going to try to do the math real quick. 130 teams. They're the only the second team to get a win out of 130. Nine plus sacks and scoring 20 points or less versus the Titans. It is such a fluke that the Bengals had made it to that far. And then on top of that, you look at Joe Burrow. He had a QBR of 39.7 in the Super Bowl. And, and versus Tennessee, it was 28.3. And if it wasn't for Kansas, for Patrick Mahomes, who nobody really talks about, but one of his interceptions came on a tipped screen pass. I mean, he threw it right to the defender, just like Ryan Tannehill did. And I I think that when you look at these guys, if you look at Matt Stafford in particularly, he's such a great case study because Tannehill and Stafford are really a lot closer than what people want to give him credit for in the terms of their, their talent level. Now, Stafford's got the better arm, but... I mean, that, that's about where it ends right there for me. And it took him 13 years to get to his, to get his first playoff win, right? He's been in the postseason four times, and this is his fourth postseason trip. Tannehill's technically fourth postseason trip is coming right around the corner with him at the helm of the Tennessee Titans. And I think that if you want a little bit of hope, that – you look at Stafford and you think, okay, if this team just puts together another good offseason, because look, 31 quarterbacks got sent home without the Lombardi trophy. And more than 31 actually played and started games this year, you know, with various injuries and stuff. It's it's difficult to win one. And we've already said that it's difficult to get back to one after you lost it. And I think that if you looked at this game and looked at how these quarterbacks particularly performed, you should be able to say that Tannehill can do it. And 
you know, the Rams had 58 total yards on five second half drives before going 79 for that touchdown. That drive was so against the grain from what they were doing all that half. And you got to give credit to Stafford that he was able to do it, but he did it after two interceptions that, and you know, everybody could say that he did it without all these players, but his play went down after Odell left. And, you know, Odell was on his way to like a four touchdown game. It would have been incredible. And that's heartbreaking to see Odell go down like that. But they were able to barely hold on. And if it wasn't for Aaron Donald, we don't know if they would have even won or if they at least would have gone to overtime, what would have happened in overtime? I, I think that when you look at this game, if you don't walk away feeling good about the Titans and that they can do what the Rams have done, then I, I think you're not watching football the same through the same objective lens as everybody else. It, it dawned on me earlier when I was trying to kind of think about the play of Matt Stafford versus Ryan Tannehill in this comparison. Now, I'll be upfront. This is an unfair comparison because I'm a lot like you. I don't like just, you know, box stat scoring to just try to make some piddly argument. But I think people are too quick to forget that I'll take Matt Stafford as the example. He's had a career filled with a lot of interceptions. He has had moments and games where he has completely imploded and thrown some pretty ugly picks. Picks that if you compared that to Ryan Tannehill, you would absolutely have the same argument of never going to win a Super Bowl with this guy. I mean, Stafford's first year in the league, he threw 20 interceptions. This year, he threw 17. Ryan Tannehill threw 14 interceptions this year. Now, Stafford's interception you know, number is going to be higher because he threw picks in the playoffs. He threw two in the Super Bowl. So even if he came in with 15, he still had one more than Tannehill and threw two more in the Super Bowl. But the point I'm trying to make is that you can overcome that statistic with interceptions, even bad interceptions, and still win a Super Bowl with that level quarterback. Now, it's it's unfair to compare Stafford's entire stat line to Tannehill because I do think Stafford's the better quarterback when you look at the two. But if you're just comparing these two instances and these two seasons, Matt Stafford didn't do anything overly special in the playoffs that Ryan Tannehill physically or talent-wise cannot do. I, I don't think I'm off on saying that. No, I, I agree. And I also look at Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who are all sitting at home, who are all on just as good as teams as the Tennessee Titans um, in different ways, who all have, and I'll say it, infinitely better quarterbacks than the Titans did. And they're all at home. It, I, it, I'm not saying that Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have won that game or Matt Stafford, if he was on the Titans, they couldn't have beat the Bengals but it doesn't necessarily mean they make it to the Super Bowl. And it doesn't necessarily mean that Stafford is a light years above and beyond Ryan Tannehill. And the fact that people are trying to put Stafford in the Hall of Fame, just again, watering down the Hall of Fame. I mean, you're just watering down the meaning behind it. He's not, he's got one Pro Bowl, no all pros. He's never been considered the best quarterback of any given year that he's played in. And it took the defense and Cooper cup to really bail them out of Matt Stafford's mistakes. And look, 
I'm not saying that the Titans are going to win a Super Bowl, even though I will say this, the Bengals and the uh, Chiefs both losing the Super Bowl really kind of makes that a, a, a high possibility right now as it sits. And they still got work to do. But if you say that they cannot win, definitively say they cannot win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill, then you obviously don't watch a lot of football because at this point, they can. It's just a matter of the question of will they? I think it's a situation where if you've got, um, if you were to be able to take the season and run it back exactly as it is right now, two or three times, five times, I've literally got some kind of bug flying in front of my face as I say this. Um, I think if you run the simulation five times, the, the Titans can go back and they can win a Super Bowl with Tannehill. You know, if you run that three times, five times, and this is not to say ultimately that if there were a better legitimate, better quarterback option, that we would be okay with the Titans not going after it. I mean, our argument all along has been that from an expense standpoint and a talent availability standpoint out there, it's not there. So whether or not you like Tannehill and you think he can improve or you hate him and you want him gone, you're stuck with the man. But you're not stuck with someone who can't actually get you there from a talent standpoint. This team had it in their hands they if they had played a game even just a little bit better which is kind of what the rams just did against the Bengals, you win a super bowl with that team and the rams basically played just a little bit better than the titans did and they won a super bowl I mean, they sacked joe burrow seven times and found a way to make it work for them and, and here's something to that the titans fans should be able to hang their hat on is that the rams yeah, they went out and they got players. They went all in on this year. Now, the Titans kind of go half in, half out every year. But the, the Rams also have the six most homegrown players on the roster. And they still kind of went out and bought the championship. They were able to do both. It's not one or the other for the Titans. They can still, and I put out an article uh, yesterday on Tuesday about the ways that the did. Titans can take 13 players and f- get up to $84.6 million in cap space. Obviously, they're not going to do all 13 suggestions, or they may not even do any of them. But it is a possibility to get that cap space. And I say that because they can still go all in this year. They could still go all in next year, even if they have a rookie quarterback or a different quarterback than Ryan Tannehill the following. I guess I keep saying this year. When I say this year, from here on in, I'm speaking of, 2022 and when i say next year i'm speaking of 2023 so just so you know so they can still go all in this year and then go all in next year because they have the cap space and the cap will continue to go up they the rams did not prove some theory that you don't need you know the nfl draft what you don't need is to waste first round picks when you can get proven you take proven players over unproven players any chance you can get while using the middle rounds Let's be honest, John Robinson does a lot better drafting historically in the middle to late rounds. And I think there is a real blueprint that you can look at the Rams and say, and the Bengals, first off, and you can say the Titans are probably were probably built better than both teams. They were just damn unlucky in the turnover battle. And then you can also look at the Rams and say the the Titans can do this. They can follow this blueprint and get to the Super Bowl. And I think that's some takeaway, some kernels of hope for you Tennessee Titans fans out there. 
I I need to do something because it just crawls my mind. <clears throat> I think I need an Odell Beckham Jr. retrospective because I was one of the ones, and I don't remember if I said it on the podcast or not, but I know behind the scenes, I was one of the ones that was definitely on the possible locker room cancer thing. And and that's that's completely, it's an asinine argument. That's a misjudgment on my part. As a matter of fact, there was a report that came out. I don't know if it came out today or if it actually came out before the Super Bowl. Um, but apparently he called the, you know, each individual wide receiver in the locker room and basically asked permission to join the team, you know, kind of as a to put himself out there like, hey, I don't want you to think I'm just coming in like I'm supposed to be here. Like, welcome in your new guy, welcome in your new savior. He wanted to let these guys know ahead of time going in that he wanted to be a part of their group, a part of their locker room, you know, their the wide receiver room. And I think that's pretty awesome. I hate to see that he got injured in the middle of the game, but he turned out to be, while maybe not an explosive all-in piece that just was balls out every time he played, he was a very useful piece that certainly had his hand in helping them get a ring. And I owe an apology for that shitty take whether it was on the mic or behind the scenes because i was one of the ones that was like uh you know he's kind of a locker room cancer the titans should never go after a guy like that not to say the titans ever had a shot with that but just to say that i'm a human i have stupid takes and that was a stupid take <laughs> titans should have gone a little bit more hard to try and get odell into nashville i mean i don't think i think ultimately he still would have chosen la but i think that if you would have made a good hardcore full wait a minute Hardcore, no. Full court press. Hardcore. Full hardcore is is something else. Don't Google that. You would have gone for a full hardcore press. (laughs) Um, I think that it would have made fans feel a little bit better. You know, I want to get into two narratives about Tannehill before we get into these terrible Titans takes. I'm springing these up on you because I forgot to write them in the notes. One of them is that this team can't win on the arm of Ryan Tannehill. If he throws 25 passes or more, the um, Titans can't win a game. There's that that narrative out there. And this, and I'm referencing a, a tweet from Texas Sports 1015, which is Kenneth, on uh, Twitter, one of our listeners. Now, he, this is not what he's saying, but what I, I have seen that narrative out there that the Titans just can't win it. He's not saying that. But this, his tweet sparked my, my thought on this, my little rant, mini rant. The team has won 20 times when doing that. They're 20 and 11 when he's done it. Now, I, that's better, you know, that's, that's pretty damn good. And in those 11 losses, the reason he had to end up throwing all those games because the Titans were outscored by their opponents at halftime. By 183 to 80. 183 to 80 <laughs> they were at halftime. Oh. So, of course, they have to pass more because they're already behind the eight ball at the point of the halftime. So that's why those stats don't matter. The stats of, like, well, when Derrick Henry gets the ball 20 times a game, the Titans automatically win. Well, it's because they're already winning the game. They can rely and lean on the run game. The, those stats don't matter. They are not indicative of the actual outcome of the game okay second one real quick this this right bashing of ryan Tannehill's leadership because he didn't come out and you know cater to the fan base and like they he owes them an apology i'm out on that take take that take that take 
shove it up your ass. I don't care about what a player you feel, uh, whatever you feel like a player needs to say to get over your own feelings and to get over stuff, get over it. Grow up, okay? Now, I know that's going to sound a little harsh, but your feelings don't matter to this football team. It is not Ryan Tannehill taking into account some fucking nerd behind a Twitter feed who, by the way, most of Twitter has eternally flamed and threatened his family, by the way. So, yeah, fuck you. He doesn't owe you an apology. But to say that his leadership is not great because he didn't go on Twitter and cater to you noobs, get over your fucking selves. You know who he owes an apology to? The teammates in the locker room. You know what that's saved for? The teammates in the locker room. You are not a teammate in the locker room. You're not one of Ryan Tannehill's teammates. You don't. You have not earned the right for that man to have to come out and apologize to you. Mike Vrabel, first words almost out of his mouth were, nobody feels as bad as Ryan Tannehill does right now. And because he went out uh, on, on a press conference and decided that he was just going to use the term we and that's how he was going to do it does not say anything about his leadership and just because the team didn't make him available for the uh uh the locker room press conference clear out day does not say anything about his leadership what says something about his leadership and what goes on behind the locker room and for all intents and purposes the staff the coach the coaching the front office and the players have all said they hope that ryan Tannehill is the guy so get over yourselves, you emotional little crybaby bitches. I mean, these Thank people you. don't owe you an explanation. They're not in an exclusive relationship with you. That's my old not- man screaming at Cloud's rant. Like, I don't give a shit about your feelings. What kills me is like, and again, I'm going to go off on a tangent to something that doesn't even matter because AJ Brown tweeted out something earlier and deleted it. Huge surprise, Ooh. right? He's literally, he deletes like 95% Found of the account. alarms. <laughs> He tweeted out just something really silly about offhand observation about how it's ridiculous that funerals cost people money. They're like, how in the world can you still owe money for something after you're dead? Um, And the first tweet that popped up under it was someone said, the Titans literally can't afford to keep Ryan Tannehill. Okay, A, if I take what you just said at face value, motherfucker, yes, they can. It's the only thing they can afford to do. You absolute dumbass. They can't afford to get rid of him. I just, I'm so tired of athlete tweets, whatever they feel like. And fan feels like they have to get in their mentions and bitch about the team they play for their personal production, whatever. This is not some open forum for you to just go after pro athletes. It just, if you wouldn't say it to them on the sidewalk, don't say it to them. On social oh, you media. know, every single one of these people that have questioned the leadership of Ryan Tanhill or questioned, you know, have cussed out his family or cussed him out on Twitter. If they saw Ryan Tannehill on the, on the street, they would be up there trying to get an autograph. I mean, give it, me, give me a break. They'd be like, shoving little kids out of the way asking for and, a sweaty and this sock. Is, this is not just the Titans fan base thing. This is a NFL, probably NBA, probably MLB. I'm not it's, really yeah, big it's into sports those sports. Fans. It's a sports fan thing. People get death threats all the time. People threaten people's families. People whine and cry. He didn't reply to my tweet or he hasn't tweeted anything since he lost or, oh, Derrick Henry hasn't tweeted anything for six months. I can't wait till he tweets something because that's when you know it's on. 
like we got to stop dissecting as a society every little thing that happens on social media because these you're right aj brown can even post a tweet without 30 people you know bashing ryan Tannehill, and like i'm sure he's sick of it and it, for people for a fan base that supposedly for the boys or cares about the players and oh they're our friends because they like a tweet or blah blah blah, blah. like just give me a break I, i'm just sick of it I, i'm so sick of people being in their feelings about every little thing as far as oh this guy didn't do this or this guy didn't do that or my style of leadership is different than that guy's style of leadership so his style of leadership sucks because he didn't come out and tell us something that we shouldn't we should know about you're not obligated to anything these athletes don't owe you a damn thing if you have problems tweet directly at the team and don't tweet them death threats. Yes. If you're that please, asshole. Lisa, please tweet everything that you hate about the Titans to at Titans, because that will be great for Nate Payne. <laughs> or <laughs> just write to Jim White's mailbag and get ethered into oblivion for your stupid asinine takes. Jim's had it. Jim's mailbag this week had just another just dead body dropped right in the middle of it. Of the guy, listen, the if you spell Peyton correctly, yeah. Me. If you're tired, what do you say? Basically, like if you're tired of being a Titans fan, just go root for the Texans. Like if you really yeah. want mediocrity and just root for a team that's you know, destroying people's feelings, go root for the Texans. I really wish some of these it. people would go root. Jim's for the absolutely Texans. had it. All right, we're 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 dancing around it, so we got to get to it. Terrible Titans Twitter takes. I really was hoping that. As we got past Valentine's Day, we get past the Super Bowl. The some Titans Twitter feeds would start to calm down a little bit. No, no, the stupidity is still just open and rampant, and we're giving it away in droves like fentanyl. So let, let's start with the first one. Uh, Tic Tac Titans is it? Was it at Tic Tac Titans? Locked yes. on Titans podcast? I don't know. I don't personally have anything against this account. Yeah, I, I want to preface this. I don't have a personal thing against either right. of these accounts that we're going to talk about. I, I know there is, we're, a but we're lot equal of opportunity. Uh, we're equal opportunity attackers, and so when I see a tweet that just bugs the shit out of me, I, I have to talk about it. Exactly, but lay it out. What the hell was this tweet? Why are we discussing this? Okay, so this is on Monday. And I'm going to read the tweet and then I'm going to tear it apart bit by bit. I'm just going to, I'm just going to ran into it. And, I, and again, uh, Tyler at Tic Tac Titans locked on Titans podcast. He does a great job with his film breakdowns and I really do not have a problem, but I just, Hey, this tweet just got all up in my ass. I just, I, I hated it. A few weeks has made you guys forget why the Titans lost everyone talking about upgrading the tight end spot, wide receiver three, the O-line dot, dot, dot. Stafford didn't have tight end one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, the biggest game of the year, and made insane throws to win LA Super Bowl. Y'all want perfection from everyone but 17 LOL. All right, I'm there's so much to unpack here that is just does is totally wrong. Just to be able to, this is a clout building kind, or not building, but a clout generating tweet with a lot of misinformation so we're gonna go first line a few weeks has made you guys forget why the titans lost literally that's all anybody's talked about <laughs> for yeah, I mean, three weeks Lord. nobody nobody has let it die that ryan Tannehill lost this game for the tennessee titans versus the Bengals. nobody 
it it will be the most talked about topic in the, for the last three weeks, and it was to be the most talked about topic for the next three months. Are you fucking kidding me with this this faux fucking sentence? Like this sentence makes no sense. That's all anybody's talking about. Who the fuck has is he following that has that he thinks forgotten about it because everybody talks about it. It's on every podcast, it's on every radio show. It's once a week, every episode, someone mentions, well, the Titans lost that game because Ryan Tannehill threw, because your quarterback threw three interceptions. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions. That piece of shit threw three interceptions. This, this fucking guy, we, we need to trade him because he threw three interceptions. Nobody, absolutely nobody has forgotten it. And nobody will because that is how Titans Twitter works. So first sentence of this tweet, where that's 25% of the tweet, gone, destroyed, destroyed it. Let's go to this one. Everyone talking about upgrading the tight end spot, wide receiver three, and the O-line, dot, dot, dot. Well, fuck yeah, because those are some pretty major problems. Definitely got to upgrade them. What do you want them to do? Not upgrade it? Do you want people not to talk about it? Give me a break. Of course, everyone should be talking about that. And of course, everyone knows that they need that. Stafford didn't have... Tied in one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three in the biggest game of the year and made insane throws to win L.A. a Super Bowl. First off, he made one really great throw. It was not insane. We've seen it done numerous times in every season. It was a really great throw. Aaron Donald won that game. Now, Stafford put him in the position to win it, but let's talk about the shitty interceptions that he threw. Let's talk about all the bad throws he made. I mean, he was not great. It was not some spectacular Stafford game. And sure, he didn't have tight end one, wide receiver two for most of the game, and wide receiver three. But wide receiver two got them to 14 points. Wide receiver two, when he left, that's when Stafford started falling off. So they're lucky that they were playing the Bengals because Stafford was having a terrible time without wide receiver two. He didn't, he doesn't have to elevate Cooper cup. Cooper cup is, is pretty damn good. He's probably the most complete wide receiver in the NFL. Stafford ain't elevating Cooper cup. Let, let me, let's be quite honest here. Okay. So the last two playoff losses with LA under McVay, have been without Cooper Cup. Stafford's not elevating Cooper Cup. Well, uh, let's just throw that out there. Destroyed. Hate that one. Insane throws, multiple. There was only one, and it wasn't even insane. It was just yeah. a good throw. Yeah. Y'all want perfection from everyone but 17, LOL. Dumbass take right there, because everyone is demanding perfection from 17 and saying that he should be perfect. And let me tell you something, Ryan Tannehill can't be perfect. And this team can't rely on Tannehill can be perfect. Show me a perfect quarterback year in, year out. That's won a Super Bowl every year because his team is, he's perfect on his team. Tom Brady is the closest you're ever going to get to, to having a perfect quarterback. And Tom Brady did not win every Super Bowl he went to. In fact, he got beat by Eli Manning twice. The reason why you need a tight end spot, a new, a, a, two, a whole new tight end room, like I said, wide receiver three and the O-line, why everybody's talking about those upgrades, 
is because they know they can't get perfection from Ryan Tannehill. If you're still trying to demand perfection from Ryan Tannehill, then you're beating a dead horse that's never going to fucking happen. You need those spots because you know that Tannehill isn't perfect. No quarterback is perfect, but Tannehill is going to be really far from it if you don't fix those spots. What a silly-ass tweet, top to bottom. Silly-ass tweet. I just it's not even the silliest tweet of the last 48 hours. No. And I'll quickly say this before we go on to the next one. Who is who is pining for anything in that tight end room for the Titans? Yeah. I mean, no one. No one is sitting here, you know, looking around at Anthony Ferkser and friends and thinking that that's the lineup that we want to go into 2022 with. We didn't want to go into, into 2021 with this group. I just, I, I can't get behind that. I can't get behind the everyone is wanting everyone but 17 to be perfect. Are you kidding me? Every media member, every fan, Calls have been loaded into 104.5 for weeks on end about the craziest takes to get rid of Tannehill. I, I'm sorry. It, everyone has laid it on Tannehill almost exclusively. It, and what does demanding I, I perfection from Ron Tannehill going to get you besides heartache and broken dreams? Because he's not going to be perfect. That's why you have to fill up these spots and build and, and improve everything around Ryan Tannehill. Because that's how it's going to have to happen. If Stafford didn't have Cooper Cup, you think they would have won that game? Hell no. If they didn't have Aaron Donald, you think they would have won that game? Hell no. Let's talk about A to Z. because We're going to have to dissect this one. I, I like A to Z a lot. I like what they do. They are damn good at what they do. Um, but there, there, there's so many little pieces of this. I don't really know where to begin, so I'll just start with the tweet. Tweet from A to C Sports Nashville, headline, could Carson Wentz land with the Tennessee Titans? Okay, now, that's a headline clicker. You want to call it clickbait, whatever. That is a headline that is designed to get you to click the article. It's a smart move. I get why they worded it that way. Absolutely. Article is written by Zach Reagan. It basically goes into a, a response to something Blaine Bishop said on that pitiful midday show that they have about Carson Wentz would be an ideal backup candidate for Ryan Tannehill because he would, quote, push Tannehill, basically create some, some, some competition and some urgency for Ryan Tannehill to play better. So I'm gonna, we're going to come back to that piece. I want to start with the tweet itself because this is the most ratioed tweet I've seen all day on local media. That's it's, the, it's the most ratioed tweet, I've, I think, in Titans history. So first off, People immediately started calling it clickbait and whoever was running the Twitter account, I was assuming it's Zach Reagan. I have no idea. Kept responding with, you didn't even read to know what the opinion is. Okay. Look, when you're having to respond multiple times of, you might as well just say, click the article. Like it's clickbait, click the article. Don't, don't keep responding to, you didn't even read to find out what it was. When your organization titled the article, could Carson Wentz land with the Tennessee Titans? Do you understand you what people are you could have titled it, could Carson Wentz be an option for T Tennessee Titans as backup QB? Bingo. But you know why you don't do that? Because that's, that's, <laughs> that's not as sexy as a click driver as could Carson Wentz land to the Tennessee Titans? Because the brain of the fan who has, and again, Tic Tac Titans, please pay attention to what I'm saying. The fans that are clamoring for Tannehill to be gone are automatically going to associate this with should the Titans replace Tannehill with, with Carson Wentz? 
That is exactly how this is headlined. So you can't be a media group that then turns around and starts tweeting people, LOL, you didn't even read and know what the opinion is. Okay, first of all, let me address that. Tic Tac was doing this. A to Z was doing this. I think I've done it. Stop putting LOL in your tweets to try to deflect from the fact that you're having a serious conversation and you're afraid someone's going to take things offensively. Just leave the LOL out. Oh, I think your mom's a piece of shit. LOL. That doesn't help things. Just say what you mean. Put a period behind it. Let's move on. Leave LOL. That's definitely a subtweet for Titans Film Room who does that all the time in all of his messaging. Yeah. Stop at the LOL. I'm telling you, Justin Graver, stop at the LOL. So, but... Problem number two, you're basing this off an assumption, not even an assumption, just a cheap talking point that someone on the radio threw out in passing. He himself, I believe, even said in the clip, and I am assuming now, I heard the clip once and I didn't want to listen to it again, basically just threw it out there as just like a what if, just a, a throwaway trash take to just keep a conversation moving forward at the start of a very long offseason. That's not worth talking about. It's not worth discussing. I mean, we're talking about, I don't know how many words this is, but I mean, this is an extensive article to write. Yes. Over a quote that was Bishop Bishop suggested that the Titans could be like a rehab for Carson Wentz while providing insurance for Tannehill in a little added motivation. If And here's the quote. If Tannehill goes through some hiccups, guess what? I got somebody who can actually push him. <laughs> okay, said Bishop on Monday. Not to say he's going to beat him out, but you never know. If these quarterbacks get hot and cold, Carson Wentz may could get hot. This guy, the guy shows he's tough, except for mentally tough. He played a lot last year, banged up and hurt, added Bishop. And then look, and Zach even says I'd be very surprised if Wentz ended up in Nashville, but he says I don't think it's something we totally rule out. Here, I'll, I'll totally rule it out. Carson Wentz sucks. And if you bring up the 2017 or whatever year that the Titans or the Eagles went to the Super Bowl, that doesn't really matter anymore. He's not that same quarterback. He's an awful quarterback. We were all just making fun of him for losing the Colts the game. They're winning in, and he lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're talking about a quarterback that is just horrible. And you think that he's going to even come in and, and Blaine thinks he's going to push him? What's he going to do? Push him around in like a, a go-kart or something? Like, I don't <laughs> I don't get why he's going to push him because he ain't going to push him to be better or start because there's nobody that is worried about Carson Wentz coming in and trying to take their job except for maybe Sam Darnold over in Carolina. I mean, give me a break. It's Carson Wentz. He's one of the worst quarterbacks around. And do we really need the Titans to be rehabbing a quarterback? If, if you're really looking at building for the future, it's time to be looking at the draft for a backup quarterback. Not to go out and, and get some scrub who was cut for, from a team that has no answer at quarterback. Look, this all stems from some guy saying that, oh, they could probably cut him or they'll probably trade him. First off, they're not going to, I mean, who's going to take this loser and try to trade draft capital for him? And if they cut him, they're creating a massive hole. That's how bad they hate Carson Wentz. <laughs> they would rather not have any available option at quarterback than to keep him. That is utterly insane. And people think that this guy's good, but this tweet, you get what you asked for, right? Like, I, to me, if I was running the account, I wouldn't even respond to anybody that said, oh, this is just clickbait or blah, blah, blah. Right. 
because at this point you asked for it. What do you think was going to happen? That that people were going to uh, you know read the article? People hate reading. Like I'll be quite honest, <laughs> I went and read the article, of course. But I mean, this is this is Twitter. That's what they're going to do. They're barely going to read your article, and they're going to take your headline and just completely ignore it. Especially because you had to go through a couple different things before you even got to the actual quote. Like that you asked for it. You can't get mad at people for doing what they're known to do and for reacting to a headline that you wrote. Like to me, that that's where, now we'll say this, they did a great job of responding to some people with links to their, their live show, which I thought was really right. great. Absolutely. Great idea. But you're talking about three retweets, which are, by the way, from nobody that works there. 17 likes. Which, again, by the way, from nobody that works there. And then 136 quote tweets. 136 quote tweets, which they were all negative quote tweets. And there may have been like one or two positive ones that slipped in there. Probably from opposing fan bases, by the way. Um, And 143 quotes just basically calling it clickbait. What an epic, uh, it, it was an epic thing to watch unfold all day today, just or uh, unfold on Tuesday, just to see the people keep commenting and commenting. And you know what? E- even if you read it, it's still a ridiculous premise. I, I just am going to say it right here, right now. Oh. I, I'm not going to, listen, if you're going to take ridiculous quotes from 104.5 The Zone, that from their personality, radio personalities, and take ridiculous, uninformed quotes, then you might as well start with J Mart, who on Tuesday morning said that he harvests or creates his own water. Give me an article about that, about the water that he puts in his coffee that comes from dehydrated water, and then he makes his, brews his coffee with it. That's 10 That's- times more interesting than whatever the fuck's going on in this article. I, um, I'll slam the door on this immediately. Carson Wentz is unvaccinated. I mean, that's just, that's it right there. Your personal thoughts on vaccines aside, one of the reasons why the Colts want to get rid of this guy is because he created a problem for them right towards the end of the season with his unavailability. The Tennessee Titans have had enough problems with COVID that they are not going to entertain someone willingly coming into the most crucial piece of their offense and fucking up that room because he won't get a shot. I don't care if you like the vaccines, hate them. From a simple personnel staffing protocol, you're not going to come in and set someone in that room and open yourself up to that kind of liability of wild card. That right there, end of story, why this is not even worth discussing. It's it, just not yeah. there. It, it just, let me say this. If if this article had been up on Broadway, I would have been trying to push all damn day to get it deleted. Because I, I I, th- to me, it's just, to me, it's just, it's just not, it's just too much. It's just too much from a standpoint of that to me is not a quality article that is worth it. And I'd be bashing the person who, if they wrote it here, I would be bashing them probably a little harsher, to be honest with you. 
let me say this. If it had been Easton or if it had been, you know, Mello or someone like that, or even Mike, I would be bashing the ever loving shit out of them 10 times worse than what I did today. There'd be a lot of background texts of bro, <laughs> bro, what is this? And look, this, I, this is not trying to create some kind of personal dig or war at Wait, these individuals, yeah, at no. these groups. It's just us laying it out as it is. Clickbait. Which we've done for five yes. or six years. We we do, we do this segment every so often where we find a, a Titans Twitter take. We just so happen to have two very explosive ones that really just pissed me off. Clickbait has its use. You're trying to run a business like this. It absolutely does. But when when people are calling it out for what it is, don't be surprised about it and keep trying to reply your way out of it. The yeah, article's there. Win. You know what <laughs> it is. You can't one. win. Just leave it there and stew in the stink. Uh, man, we're at an hour and five minutes, but I can't close it out without talking about Eli Apple real quick. Well, I got to get in 90 seconds on Eli Apple because I have never seen a player so universally hated by multiple fan bases and pro athletes themselves going up, going after this man. I mean, Michael Thomas, Mecole Hardman, you name it, were just all over this man for getting torched in the Super Bowl. That talk about the worst place to get fully, absolutely exposed. And Eli Apples, he's talked trash against multiple fan bases. He's pissed off the Giants fan base. He called New Orleans a smelly city and that people are eating pig guts and tripe and it's like killing their brains. I mean, went all in. I will, told, I will agree. It's a smelly city. It is kind of a smelly city, <laughs> but he's gone after multiple media, like media outlets for those teams has obviously made no like friends on the field. If you got this many wide receivers, Nicole Hardman's posting a video of his Super Bowl ring and just showing it to him. Uh, Michael Thomas tweeting out, Eli got an Eli. I, I mean, it just, it, it makes my heart warm. This is coming from a group that we literally just had her 15 minutes ago talking about going after pro athletes on Twitter. But if the pro athlete is the one that starts it and starts going after fan bases and players, I don't know what to tell you, buddy. Twitter is eating this man's lunch. He hasn't been on social media for multiple days. And oh, even he's if he's liking off for six tweets, months. By the way, he, he oh, is on Twitter liking tweets. This man, the second he posts his first comment, it's going to be videos of his mother dropping him off for his first day at the Giants camp, which I didn't know happened. And there is a video, her taping, dropping him off at camp in 2017. I mean, you, you can't do that. Burnt pieces of toast, you name it. This man's getting eviscerated on social media. I mean, he asked for it. It's just like Quentin Spain. My favorite thing about Quentin Spain is that he acts like that nobody's gotten the best of him in this entire playoffs. And and now there's a bunch of commentators and analysts who have, have caught on to this, and they were just destroying him, <laughs> showing screenshots and clips of him just getting brutalized by Jeffrey Simmons, Aaron Donald. And, but he's like, oh, you didn't do anything to me. What the fuck are you talking about? Were you even at the game? Like, talk about being high on your own supply. The Quentin Spain is as high as a kite I've ever seen because he, he is – he is just acting like he's never been beaten in his life. Dude, you suck. <laughs> like, Quinn Spain couldn't even last on the Tennessee Titans on their offensive line. And, and he goes to this, to the Bengals. After being at the Bills, he goes from us to the Bills to the Bengals. He, he's not, he's a journeyman offensive lineman. He thinks he's hot shit. 
And it's just this between him and Eli Apple, this Bengals PR team, I don't even know if they have anyone in their offices that actually has the title of public relations. But I, if I was them, I would be trying to, you know, go into their doorstep and taking their phones away because they obviously need to quit tweeting and interacting. And the Bengals are going to have to have a social media uh, summit to teach these players how to, how to not talk shit when they're not supposed to be talking shit. Yeah. I mean, absolute locker room bulletin board material out of both of them. Quentin Spain picking some really weird battles to it. Really weird timing for him to come out like what literally I think the day before the Super Bowl and just go on this rant about he didn't see eye to eye with Sean McDermott and, and you know, just trashing the bills. Well, and, and he literally wants to fight Jeffrey Simmons, like get into a fist fight with Jefferson. Like, dude, let me tell you something. Jeffrey Simmons go whoop that ass. <laughs> like there ain't no way. Simmons looks like Simmons looks like he's ready to bring that smoke. Yeah. The only person that probably could take Simmons in a fight is Aaron Donald, and that's saying a lot. Well, all we need is Music City Miracles to write a clickbait article about Quentin Spain coming back to the Titans, and we can just complete the trifecta of fuckery we saw on yeah, Twitter today. I love it. Um, that's going to do it for us. We got you for an hour and 10 minutes today. Um, it's off season. We are in full swing for off season. Um, and as much as we don't like clickbait, I really hope you all keep providing us the content that you've been providing. Uh, thank you for tuning in as always. Again, football and other efforts, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, neighbors, loved ones that you listen to us, and uh, share with people. For Zach, myself, you have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.